Welcome to the latest episode of The Grower and the Economist. I'm Michelle Klieger, The Economist. And I'm Peter Conjoyan, The Grower. Each week, we team up to tackle the biggest challenges facing small and medium-sized growers. We're one part grower and one part economist, just like your business. Welcome to this episode of The Grower and the Economist. We will be talking about variable costs today. Variable costs are costs like labor and raw materials that vary with the quantity of output that you produce. So you pay for seeds and you plant them. You do not buy extra seeds. So if you grow more plants, you need more seeds, you need more medium, you need more everything that you need when you produce something is a variable cost. So as you produce more, your variable costs go up. Does that make sense so far, Peter? That does, Michelle. And when I'm thinking about a greenhouse crop, a potted crop, I think about how many pots do I need? As you said, how much growing medium do I need? Fertilizer, pesticides, labor, et cetera. Um, Perhaps to get us going this morning, as you defined variable costs the way you did, do you want to just uh, do the other side of it and review what is not a variable cost? What's the fixed cost? Sure. So a fixed cost are those that do not vary when you change the quantity of output you produce. So if you produce uh, in a greenhouse, all of the plants that fit in your greenhouse does not change the price that you paid for your greenhouse. Um, If you pay yourself a fixed salary for the year, it doesn't matter how many plants you produce. It just is your salary, whether you do one or a hundred million plants. And so things that do not change when the quantity of production changes are fixed costs and things that change or you need more of like your inputs, they are your variable costs. And I think what's interesting is it seems very straightforward when you read the definitions from a textbook or when you talk about it in a very academic sense. But as we discovered last week, There are a lot of times when the fixed and variable costs are not as straightforward. And so I think that's where we're going to continue talking today is highlighting how to think about your variable cost, but also paying attention to there's some room for interpretation. And, you know, depending on your operation, you might have traditional fixed costs that are more variable and vice versa. So I'm going to start with it's all about consistency and making educated decisions on where to put those items and then following through. That sounds good, Michelle. Again, I, I, I think it's it's perfect that you use the word consistency, and I, I'd like to second that motion and keep coming back to it during this conversation and any that deal with cost accounting and, and, and the economic side of running a farm or a greenhouse. Be consistent. Choose, choose a, uh, a strategy, choose tactics, and, and be consistent with them until you learn enough to adjust what you're doing, right? Um, as, as we learn and become more confident in our accounting and our economic analyses, uh, we, we naturally get better at the skill, and we're able to account for more and more complicated um, approaches. So uh, start simple, be consistent, and grow. Absolutely. And I think maybe the first place is to think about your business and think about 
you know, what do you pay for if you skipped this growing season, right? The obvious answer would be if you skip this growing season, what do you still have to pay? Those are your fixed costs. If you decide to grow, what do you need to buy? How do you, what do you need to pay for to get to your customers? Uh, and those become your variable costs. So if, if you think about that and you can make broad categories, I think that's a really good place to start. Um, and again, I think one of the pieces that Peter and I like to focus on between this and the note taking is don't let perfect be the enemy of good, right? You need to start somewhere. You need to keep these numbers in order to understand your profitability and understand and drive your profitability. And that's what we're hoping to collect with this data. That sounds like a good place to start today, Michelle. I'll, I'll end off introductory comments and use an analogy of a, a, a ladder. And when we step on a ladder, we take one step at a time. So, so choose the rung of the ladder that, that is most comfortable for your level of skill in this uh, topic. And then uh, slowly, gradually take another step up the ladder, up the ladder, step at a time. So, Michelle, there's a um, question I have. We, we're talking about variable costs, um, seeds, pots, et cetera, fertilizer. Um, as, as, I, as, as a grower, um, it's very clear to me that the more I grow, the, the more pots I buy at one time, the, the lower my price might be from my supplier. So there's there's some incentive there to grow more because I can buy the pot, the empty pot cheaper if I buy 10,000 versus 1,000. Uh, your your um, illustration using the seeds, if I, we buy uh, 10 pounds versus one pound of seeds, it, it'll be cheaper per seed. So we, we can lower variable costs that way but there's there's also danger in that in that um, you know if we have leftover seed and end up dumping it we're back to you know two months ago in episodes where uh, shrinkage and waste comes back to to bite us. Um, so as you're teaching economics and you're discussing variable costs, how 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 do you approach that that part of it? Well. I, I think I think about that more in my personal life, right? Like you always want to stock up and, and get that cheaper deal because, you know, if you buy a larger quantity, you get a lower price. And part of the reason that, um, and this is something I do teach in my class, part of the reason that price goes down as you buy bigger is one, the business gets the person you're buying from also gets to operate at, at a scale. And so it is more cost efficient for them. But two, that price tag looks a lot bigger when you need more. Um, and I joke with my students that I really noticed this. My husband and I, when we used to go to a restaurant, right, a fast food or a quick service restaurant, we'd get two meals and we'd share a soda and it was, you know, 10 or $15. But now there, I have children and we, everybody gets sodas. It suddenly is $30. And so that eating out that next meal becomes a much bigger purchase. And so that's the same thing that's happening, right? You might be willing to pay a higher price for one pound of seed because you don't need that much and it's not so much sticker shock. But as you purchase more and more, that sticker becomes a lot more expensive and might scare people away. And so that's part of the reason you see this decline in price. 
or another reason, a psychological piece. So it does encourage you to buy more, right? When the price of something goes down, demand increases. And so the supplier is hoping that you will purchase more because the price per unit is low. Um, and from your accounting perspective, you would look at the average cost. So you want to know how much one seed costs, not how much your total is, so you can compare that average cost against your sales um, and your revenue and find out if, it, if production was profitable. This, this, I think, is important, Michelle, because I've seen many fellow growers and farmers who... Um, They'll take uh, this this consumer minded approach that you're discussing. And by the way, I have a rule as a consumer similar to what you're describing. If if I'm buying bars of soap or cans of vegetables and and it's on sale and I'm I'm buying uh, stocking up, I like to buy at least as many that uh, lets me know that one of them is free. So so I like to know that. I took advantage of a sale and this one unit or two units ends up being free because I, I bought the quantity. But I see, Michelle, on a, a professional commercial side, too many growers who, in my opinion, are filling their barns and basements and warehouses with materials just to get that lower price per unit. And years ago, I attended a talk uh, with an expert speaking about garden centers, and he was discussing hard goods in the garden center. You know that that uh, the, the when you're 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 buying and selling bags of fertilizer or statuary or you know all all those hard goods, not not plants, not living plants. And he made a point that you know in, if you're inventorying. Um, hard goods through through the season, through the winter, you, you need to look at instead, if you took that money that you tied up in an inventory and just had it in the bank, you need to compare, um, you know, what that cost is versus the interest that the money would be earning in the bank. Can you comment on that? Is it, a, uh, it, it really deals with how, how far we push this this envelope of buying things in volume to get a cheaper per unit price. I absolutely think that makes sense. And the way I would think about it is you are, right? You are putting your money the same way that that, that lecturer said. You are choosing, you had cash, right? Which you could do anything with. And you're deciding to store your cash in the form of your hard goods, instead of in the bank. Absolutely. Right. If you had that money today, you could either purchase these goods or you could put it in the bank. And so the opportunity cost, right? The next best option is the other choice that you don't pick. Right. So if you are storing it, then all of your assets are tied up in these goods. Um, and it just means that you don't have cash available to you if you need it. Also, if you um, you aren't earning interest. So I, I absolutely agree with those points. I think that it's kind of interesting because on the production side, having too much tied up is dangerous. Um, if you change your operation at all, if again, if you don't use it and at some point, 
right? It degrades or it's obsolete or you don't want it anymore or something. You effectively are going to give it away or throw it away and lose all of that money. So yes, thinking about your inventory as an asset is very important. And on one hand, it's good to have some inventory. So when you do want to ramp up production, you have those pots sitting there ready to go, right? You would want to be able to take advantage of it. On the other hand, you don't have cash. Um, and I think that a lot of times when I talk to growers, it's we're thinking about it on the other end, right? You've invested a lot of money in your crop. If the crop is storable, your money is sitting in the form of that harvested crop in a bin, in a cooler, in a something. Um, and at any point, you can choose to sell your crop for 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 money, right? You can turn it back into money. The only way on the input side that you're going to turn it back into money is either to sell it, which probably is not going to be for a profit, or by using it. And so like then it is a longer turnaround. So I think that I don't really expect anybody besides myself to sit there and figure out what the interest they could have earned on it would be, on that money would be, but that is how you want to think about it. If I spend X thousands of dollars today, is it going to sit in the in a storage until I use it in six months? Or could I buy it in six months from now and have earned interest on that money in the meantime? That's all good points we need to dig deeper into, but um, I'm afraid you brought me back to my childhood with a couple of your comments, Michelle. I remember it during my um, undergraduate days at the uh, University of New Hampshire, uh, I was running the family truck farm, and uh, one of my crops was butternut squash. And it was right about this time in, in early, mid-October that we'd be harvesting the butternut squash. And because we had greenhouses available and I was, you know, in college and uh, uh, the, the, the classwork during the week and I'd be home on weekends in, a, in a, essentially a living laboratory on the farm. I decided for a couple of years, the last, last couple of years of my undergraduate career to store the butternut squash in an idle greenhouse, heat it minimally, and then wait through the fall into the early part of winter to sell it when the price for butternut squash would be higher. And it was always this, this juggle, this balance game, Michelle, because over time, the squash would slowly degrade. So you'd have some shrinkage and some waste. So, so it was always this, this gamble of, okay, am I going to sell it this weekend when I get back from class? Um, or am I going to wait another week or two? Oh, I'll have fewer crates to sell in two weeks. So what's the price going to be? And it was really interesting. But uh, back to your point on um, how we tie up our resources, our cash in, in inventory. I find, Michelle, that and we have to remember that, that you and I are focusing our podcast on smaller growers. And oftentimes the small grower doesn't have the resources to plow into inventorying inventory, if that's, if that's a term. Um, so another way that I look at it is um, I'm likely not going to have this cash in the bank earning interest because I have a small business to run and I just I don't have that kind of cash to, to have it in the bank. So then it becomes a question of making decisions on which 
item or what inventory it's is best in in my favor to tie the, to use that cash on. Does that make sense? Absolutely. If we fold into this conversation, the whole the philosophy of co-op purchasing and small growers banding together to have some some purchasing power, it all kind of fits into this puzzle like a, a nice, neat little piece. Yes. Well, two things. One, I think that purchasing as a co-op or banding together with other farmers definitely helps you achieve that scale that you might be looking for um, so that you can take advantage of a lower average cost. My concern would be that it's a, that if everybody else is buying something and you don't need it, that you don't want to be buying something and putting it in inventory just because it's time to buy that, right? It's almost like buying that set of pots. The set is cheaper, but you end up with three pots out of the five that you didn't really want. Um, so I think that it just requires, it is an excellent way to buy a larger quantity and get a lower price. You just still need to be critical of you actually need what you're purchasing. That sounds good. All right. So as as we keep pushing on this um, and, and you're describing the differences between variable and fixed costs, Michelle's, I, uh, Michelle, I have a, a little brain tweez, uh, teaser uh, that you can answer for me. So we're, we're talking about fixed costs and heating the greenhouse um, over the course of a, a season is is a fixed cost because it's happening what, no matter how many plants we're growing. We talked in the last episode about trying to uh, come up with, uh, uh, in a greenhouse environment, a cost per square foot per week as, as a, an overhead or fixed cost. So here's my question. As, as we, let's say we're buying fuel, whether it's uh, um, making a commitment on natural gas or, or buying uh, fuel uh, heating oil, um, the, the more fuel we buy, the lower the per unit cost becomes. So is there a, a level of fixed cost that is also variable, if you're following what I'm saying? Yes. And so I, thinking about it either in terms of the, the heating the greenhouse, um, whether it's the generator or the tanks or whatever it is that holds the gas or runs the power, right? That might be a fixed cost, right? You have to buy, you own your generator, whether you use it or not, that the fixed cost is the cost of the generator. If you had to have propane tanks or natural gas tanks installed, right? The cost of that, of the actual installation or sorry, the cost of the unit is a fixed cost. Now, when you fill the gas, or when you run the generator, those costs depend on how much you use it. So that's another example of when it's kind of both, or it's just depending on how you think about it. So if you have to buy a generator, because I think that's the easier one to follow, that is your fixed cost. And then running the generator itself is a variable cost. And if you think about it like a car, it works the same way, right? Your car is a fixed cost, whether it sits in your driveway or your truck, or it, or you run it all day, right? You, there is a fixed cost for owning that piece of equipment. The wear and tear and the repair costs and the fuel costs are all going to be variable costs that depend on how much that piece of equipment is used. That makes sense. And, and uh, in, in, in review, 
and worth re repeating in the last episode when we talked about fixed costs, we, we also used the, uh, as an example, a uh, supplemental light fixture in a, in a greenhouse. And, and you indicated back then, um, similarly to your generator and, and heating unit, that the light fixture itself is fixed. Um, and the operation of the light is more variable depending on how much we use it. So is this, Michelle, one of those cases where it can be a gray area and the grower needs to simply uh, be consistent and decide, hey, all of the natural gas or fuel bills are going into the fixed side of the equation. Um, and, uh, you know, then the pots and the soil, et cetera, will be in the variable costs. It's, it's just the consistency argument, right? Um, I, I do think that it would be better if you could divide it out. So if you had to have, if there was a maintenance contract, right, that you have to have, that is your, your fixed cost, but the actual fuel you spend is a variable cost. And I think that that's important. Like we talked about last time that in the summer, you're going to need a lot less supplemental lighting and you're going to need a lot less supplemental heat. And so those crops are cheaper to produce. And so I think the reason that the variable costs and adding the actual gas um, or lighting in, right, the energy that you're using is important because if you're trying to decide whether to grow in the fall, you want to know how much it's actually costing you to grow. And so that would depend on how much gas costs um, and how much, you know, your energy costs are. And similarly, we've talked in other places about a decision to if you want it to sell either to a wholesaler or a restaurant or a distributor or to direct consumer. If you're making that decision, right, your truck, if you had to have a delivery truck, your truck is probably a fixed cost, but the decision to run the gas or to drive it and hire a driver and pay for the gas are variable costs. And so those are the individual costs that you're comparing how much you're selling it for to be profitable. So like what you've mentioned, you know, people own a greenhouse and they want to expand into the edges of the season because they have a greenhouse and they want to use it as much as possible. So from a fixed cost perspective, that makes a lot of sense in that you want to distribute your fixed costs over as many sales as you can because it drives the cost, the average fixed cost down. The problem is your variable costs are probably going to be higher on those margins because you're less efficient or you're buying smaller quantities. And so it's that balancing act that really helps you decide whether it's profitable to push into a new area that's not your very clear expertise. And I think it's important, Michelle, for us to say that the, the, the mental gymnastics that you and I are going through in these episodes, the back and forth, and, and to some extent, there's repetition in, in the way I'm peppering you with some questions. And it, it all comes back, traces back to how different growers are thinking about this from different perspectives. So, so it's good for us to keep pounding at this, whether it's fixed or variable, how we can handle it. You did a nice job last episode in helping me understand that, for instance, in a greenhouse, the early crop of geraniums that I might want to have in blooms to sell on Mother's Day, I have to start earlier in February 
than the later crop that I'm going to have in bloom for Memorial Day at the, the end of the month. And there's more heat involved. It's more expensive to grow the earlier crop. And you helped us understand how we need to look at the heat in that case as more of a variable cost than a fixed cost. So now I'm going to throw a question at you. As we're discussing these two categories, variable and fixed, in the end, Michelle, what does it matter? Is it, is it just how the grower is writing numbers in a, a ledger or keeping a, um, an Excel spreadsheet going? What, what does it matter? How, how does it affect how we're running our businesses, whether we put something in the variable cost or the fixed cost column, or is it more importantly that we need to understand what the costs are? I definitely think the first place is to understand what the costs are. And when you mentioned earlier the buying extra and then throwing it out, you know, I think that it's important to capture that, right? So you want to know how much you spent on pots this year. You want to know how much you spent on all of these pieces, right? And your profitability. So if you just... Carrying inventory makes that messy for sure. Um, but one, our goal is really to capture costs. I think that's really hard for everyone. I also think in both personal and private, um, sorry, in both personal and business settings, capturing the cost is really hard. We also, before you actually write down your expenses, there's always this urge to say, well, that was a one-time expense, so I don't need to count it, Right. And that I have found is rarely true, right? There are very few things that are a one-time expense in that there is each month likely a one-time expense or each season going to be a large one-time expense. And so those numbers need to be included. So you're super excited if you produce X pounds of tomatoes or 10% more than that. But what did it cost you to produce those more tomatoes? And your profitability is not just how much money you brought in, but it's the difference of how much money you brought in and how much you spent. And so if nothing else, that cost will help you find your true profitability. Um, and then secondly, once you've gone through this activity and you have captured the, in, the fixed costs and the variable costs, you can drill in and find where you're really profitable and expand in those places, and maybe where you're losing money or your margins are much smaller, and decide whether that's a valuable business part of your business, or if it's not, and you should, you know, invest those resources somewhere else, like maybe putting your money in a savings account. I'm glad you, you brought that back full circle. We're, we're addressing growers. We're talking about farmers, greenhouse operators. Uh, we love growing plants. Michelle, that's Perfect. You brought it back full circle to where episodes ago, months ago, we were talking about how to decide or deciding what to grow, what crops to grow, what not to grow, what the product mix is. Uh, I think uh, being focused on small growers, our listeners have heard me say over and over, we're not in a position to make it up on volume, air quotes. And, and I think today's discussion, the variable costs, understanding our costs of production, help us um, 
understand that not always is growing more going to be more profitable. Um, I love where this conversations uh, come this full circle, Michelle. We also episodes ago talked about shrinkage and crop loss. And I threw out the general rule that um, uh, where where I, I do have calculations to, to, that we can share that every every plant, every unit that we dump erases the profit from two and a half units that are sold at full price. And to come up with that rule and those numbers required a lot of people to run the numbers that you're explaining to us. We had to go and analyze account for variable fixed costs on, on particular crops that we were using. And over time, this two and a half rule became quite stable in um, at least in the greenhouse crop side of things. So I think it's really good that this conversation is helping us go back and it's, it's um, reinforcing concepts that you and I have talked about early on in, in our podcast series. Um, and, and for me, hearing you explain it from an economist's perspective, and because you also have experience and passion on the plant side and on the agriculture side, um, it's, it's easier for me to communicate through you and with you. And our message becomes stronger because we both have that plant side and small grower um, allegiance in our messaging. Well, and I think that as business owners, we've both been forced to think about our costs and our, you know, profitability. So even though I don't, you know, grow things every day, I still have to decide whether investing more time in a project or a client or business development, what those things cost me and what my potential return is. And so, again, it's really fun on good years to look at the bank statement and say, look, I made X dollars and that's amazing. Um, but to really understand what that means for me, one, I need to understand what my costs are. So how much money did I really net at the end? Two, if I can understand where those costs were distributed and figure out what my return on investment is, I could make better decisions next year. Um, and then three, thinking about the opportunity cost. If I didn't do one thing, what else could I have done and what would the profitability have been? Well said, partner. I think um, we've, we've handled the variable costs uh, pretty well and identified some, some conversation points and topics for the future. Great.